0: My name is Lori and I'll be your conference facilitator this morning. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Danaher Corporation's first quarter 2021 earnings results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. <clears throat> if you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key on your telephone keypad. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Matt Gugino, Vice President of Investor Relations. Mr. Gagino, you may begin your conference.
1: Thanks, Lori. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the call. With us today are Reiner Blair, our President and Chief Executive Officer and Matt McGrew, our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. I'd like to point out that our earnings release, the slide presentation supplementing today's call, and the reconciliations and other information required by SEC Regulation G relating to any non-GAAP financial measures provided during the call are all available on the Investor Section of our website, www.danaher.com, under the heading Quarterly Earnings. The audio portion of this call will be archived on the investors section of our website later today under the heading Events and Presentations and will remain archived until our next quarterly call. A replay of this call will also be available until May 6, 2021. During the presentation, we will describe certain of the more significant factors that impacted year-over-year performance. The supplemental materials describe additional factors that impacted year-over-year performance. Unless otherwise noted, all references in these remarks and supplemental materials to company-specific financial metrics refer to results from continuing operations and relate to the first quarter of 2021, and all references to -to period-to-period increases or decreases in financial metrics are year-over-year. We may also describe certain products and devices which have applications submitted and pending for certain regulatory approvals or are available only in certain markets. During the call, we will make forward-looking statements within the meaning of the federal securities laws, including statements regarding events or developments that we believe or anticipate will or may occur in the future. These forward-looking statements are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those set forth in our SEC filings, and actual results might differ materially from any forward-looking statements that we make today. These forward-looking statements speak only as of the date that they are made and we do not assume any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. As a result of the size of the CITIVA acquisition and its impact on Danaher's overall core revenue growth profile, we're presenting core revenue on a basis that includes CITIVA sales. References to core revenue growth include CITIVA sales in the calculation of period-to-period sales growth comparing the current period CITIVA sales to the historical period CITIVA sales prior to acquisition. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Reiner.
2: Well, thanks, Matt, and good morning, everyone. In the first quarter of 2021, we got off to a very strong start, delivering better-than-expected core revenue growth across our portfolio. Our broad-based performance was driven by double-digit core revenue growth in our base business, our ongoing contributions to the development and production of COVID-19 vaccines and therapeutics, and strong demand for Cepheid's point-of-care molecular diagnostic tests. Our record top-line performance also contributed to outstanding earnings per share growth and free cash flow generation. Our well-rounded first quarter results are a testament to the unique positioning of our portfolio and our commitment to continuous improvement. We have an exceptional collection of market-leading franchises and technologies, all powered by the Danaher business system that serve attractive end markets with durable secular growth drivers. We believe that this powerful combination differentiates Danaher and reinforces our sustainable, long-term, competitive advantage. So with that, let's turn to our first quarter results. We generated $6.9 billion of sales in the first quarter with 30% core revenue growth. All three of our reporting segments delivered better-than-expected growth, led by life sciences and diagnostics. We believe we continued to capture market share, particularly at some of our larger businesses, including Sativa, Paul, Radiometer, Leica Biosystems, Hawk, and VideoJet. Over the last several years, we've prioritized high-impact growth investments in innovation, sales, and marketing to ensure that we're well-positioned both near and long-term. Through new product introductions and the impact of our Danaher business system growth tools, we've enhanced our competitive advantage and believe we've achieved notable market share gains. Geographically, Revenue growth was broad-based across both developed and high-growth markets. We saw over 20% growth in the developed market, led by North America and Western Europe. High-growth markets were up more than 45%, largely driven by the recovery in China. Our gross profit margin increased 580 basis points year-over-year to 62% in the first quarter, largely due to higher sales volumes and the positive impact of higher margin product mix. Our operating profit margin of 29.1% was up 1,300 basis points year over year, including more than 900 basis points of core margin expansion as a result of higher gross margins and lower operating expenses, as we continued to see limited travel and other related costs. Adjusted, diluted net earnings per common share of $2.52 were up 140% versus last year. We generated $1.6 billion of free cash flow in the quarter, an increase of 135% year over year. Now, in the first quarter, we deployed more than $400 million of capital towards mergers and acquisitions across all three segments. Most notably, IDT and CITIVA completed their first bolt on acquisition with IDT adding Swift Biosciences, which brings complementary capabilities and a broad portfolio of next gen sequencing library preparation and enrichment solutions for DNA. RNA, and methylated DNA samples. And Cytiva acquired VanRx Pharma Systems, which provides innovative, automated, aseptic filling technologies used to fill vials, syringes, and cartridges, a critical final step to complete the bioprocessing workflow. We also continued to make significant organic investments in high-impact growth initiatives across all of Danaher. Over the past six months, we've invested in a meaningful expansion of production capacity at Cepheid, CITEVA, Paul Biotech, and Beckman Life Sciences. Near term, these investments will support COVID-related demand, but they're equally important to support the long-term growth of these businesses, where we see tremendous runway ahead, given the underlying growth drivers and the durability of the markets they serve. Between these four businesses, we're investing more than $1 billion in 2021 to continue to meet our customers' needs today and well into the future. So now let's take a look, a more detailed look, at our results across the portfolio. Life Sciences reported revenue increased 115% as a result of the Cytiba acquisition and core revenue was up 41.5%. We saw strong double-digit core revenue growth across all of our largest operating companies in the platform, led by Cytiva, Paul Life Sciences, Beckman Life Sciences, and IDT. In our bioprocessing businesses, accelerating demand for COVID-related vaccine and therapeutic development and production drove a combined core revenue growth rate of more than 60% at Cytiva and Paul Biotech. Excluding the impact of COVID-related activity, our underlying biopharma business grew in the low 20s range. We believe that our ability to continue meeting customers' needs across their bioprocessing workflows enabled us to gain market share in the quarter, particularly within our cell culture media and single-use product lines. Moving to diagnostics, reported revenue was up 34% and core revenue grew 31%. Each of our largest operating companies in the platform achieved high single-digit or better core revenue growth, led by Cepheid, which achieved more than 90% core revenue growth. In response to the unprecedented demand for Cepheid's rapid point-of-care molecular tests, the team again increased production capacity and shipped over 10 million respiratory test cartridges in the first quarter. Roughly half of the tests shipped were COVID-only tests and the other half were four-in-one combination tests for COVID-19, flu A, flu B, and RSV. We also saw increasing demand for non-respiratory tests across Cepheid's market-leading test menu, including sexual health, hospital-acquired infections, and virology, demonstrating the broad applicability of Cepheid's molecular diagnostic offering. Moving to our environmental and applied solution segment, reported revenue grew 6.5%, and core revenue was up 3.5%. Our water quality platform was up slightly, and product identification was up high single digits. Our water quality businesses support customers' day-to-day, mission-critical water operations, providing water testing, treatment, and analysis across a variety of applications around the world. We saw good underlying demand for our analytical chemistries and consumables during the quarter and were encouraged by the improvement in equipment sales, which returned to growth as customers got back up and running at more normalized levels. In product identification, we saw mid-single-digit core revenue growth in our marking and coding businesses and double-digit growth in packaging and color management. ESCO and X-Rite benefited from the underlying market recovery and saw good momentum from customers initiating new projects and investments in the first quarter. So with that context for what we saw by segment during the quarter, let's take a look, uh, walk through some of the trends we're seeing across our end markets and geographies. Customer activity around the world is approaching pre-pandemic levels as we all collectively adapt to working in this new environment. We're seeing this in the form of strong sales funnels and order book growth, service levels at or near pre-pandemic levels, and an uptick in equipment revenues. While some of this dynamic is the result of pent-up demand in the wake of widespread lockdowns, we're starting to see underlying recovery across most of our end markets that were impacted. Now, if we take a closer look at these dynamics by geography, China appears to be the furthest along in terms of reopening, with activity levels largely back to normal. The U.S. is not all the way back just yet, but is moving in the right direction. And an increase in vaccination rates across the country appear to be driving some of this progress. Europe is improving broadly, and while certain areas have recently experienced setbacks in the process of reopening, we've not seen any material impact. In life sciences, activity in the broader biopharma market remains robust. There has not been any slowdown in the double-digit growth trends we've seen over the last several quarters across non-COVID-related biopharma activity. Within COVID-related biopharma activity, the significant ramp-up of vaccines and therapeutics is driving record bioprocessing demand. We're involved in the majority of COVID-19 vaccine and therapeutic projects underway around the world today, including all of those in the U.S. that are currently on the market or in later stage clinical trials. Our operating companies are playing a significant role in the development and production of new therapies and vaccines across the biopharma pipeline. And given the breadth of our offering and the production capacity we're adding in 2021, we're uniquely positioned to support our customers in their mission today and well into the future, which is to make more life-saving treatments available to more patients faster. In clinical diagnostics, we continue to see heightened demand for rapid point-of-care molecular testing. As we look across the COVID-19 testing landscape and consider the durability of the demand that we're seeing, we believe that Cepheid's positioning is the strongest amongst the various testing modalities and settings. Cepheid's leading presence at the point-of-care combined with the speed accuracy, and workflow advantages of their molecular offering uniquely positions the business to support customers' testing needs, not only for COVID-19, but beyond the pandemic as well. Across hospital and reference labs, patient volumes are at or near pre-pandemic levels in most major geographies, as elective procedures and hospital visits have rebounded from last year. Consumables growth is accelerating as a result, and we're encouraged by the momentum of instrument placement. Finally, in the applied market, consumables remain solid across essential business operations like testing and treating water and safely packaging food and medicine. And growth is picking up on the equipment side as customers get back to more normal operations and initiate capital investments. Now let's briefly look ahead to our expectations for the second quarter and the full year. We expect to deliver second quarter core revenue growth in the mid-20s range. We anticipate low double-digit core revenue growth in our base business and a low double-digit core growth contribution from COVID-related revenue tailwinds. Additionally, we expect to have operating profit fall through of approximately 40% in the second quarter and for the remainder of 2021. For the full year 2021, we now expect to deliver high-teams core revenue growth. We anticipate that COVID-related revenue tailwinds will be a high single-digit to low double-digit contribution to the core revenue growth rate. This would include an estimated $2 billion of 2021 revenue at Cytiva and Paul Biotech associated with vaccines and therapeutics, which is higher than our previous expectation of 1.3 billion. And at Cepheid, we'll continue ramping capacity through the year and now expect to ship approximately 45 million tests in 2021 compared to our prior estimate. Of 36 million tests, and in our base business, we now expect that core revenue will be up high single digits for the full year. So to wrap up, we had a very strong start to the year and feel good about the momentum we're seeing across all of Danaher. Our first quarter results are a testament to the commitment and capability of our team, and the durable, balanced positioning of our portfolio. We believe this combination differentiates Danaher and sets us up well to outperform in 2021 and beyond. In our pursuit of continuous improvement, we'll strive to keep building an even better, stronger company and to positively impact the world around us in meaningful ways for all of our stakeholders. We see tremendous opportunities ahead to do just that. So with that, I'll turn the call back over to Matt.
1: Thanks, Ryder. That concludes our formal comments. Lori, we're now ready for questions.
0: Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, press the pound key. We ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow up question only. Our first question comes from the line of Tycho Peterson of JP Morgan. Hey, good morning.
3: Um, good morning Tycho. I'll, I'll start with uh bioprocess, obviously very strong numbers there. Uh, did you give the Paul Citiva order number? I I didn't hear that if you did and then as we kind of think about the durability of, of the trends there, um, I appreciate that you're kind of raising guidance here for both the vaccine um, and, and the testing tailwinds, but how do you think about kind of the durability? And then also, was there any stockpiling we heard from one of your peers about, you know, customers building inventory given supply chain concerns? Thanks.
2: Thanks, Tycho. So um, as it relates to uh, orders growth for, for our vaccine and therapeutics businesses, we're talking primarily here Cepheid. Uh, And I'm sorry, uh, Cytiva uh, and uh, Paul Biotech first quarter orders growth was uh, over 60 percent to give you a sense of of the strength of that. And um, as we we look towards the rest of the year here, uh, you heard us talk about the fact that we're confident now that our total business for the vaccine and therapeutics for 2021 will be two billion dollars. Uh, rather than the originally estimated $1.3 billion. So we continue to see that order uh, build here, as noted here in the first quarter, uh, and that's really uh, continuing uh, to, to drive strength here for the full year. Now, as it relates to stockpiling, uh, we occasionally hear about that on, on uh, certain and limited products, but in general, and certainly uh, as we run our business, we're in uh, constant communication both with our customers and our suppliers to ensure that we don't have pockets of inventory either of finished product uh, or raw materials sitting idly by uh, holding up uh, any manufacturing of vaccine or therapeutics
3: okay that's helpful. And then maybe a follow-up on margins. Um, obviously, good upside here as well. Uh, in particular, on the life science side, uh, you had 24% last quarter. Now you're 33. Can you maybe just talk to how you think about the durability of, of that margin improvement?
2: Well, certainly the volume uh, ramp here has uh, given us a great deal uh, of um, volume leverage, and if, and we also, of course, see uh, through uh, the increase. Um, consumption of our our consumables, uh, a skew in the mix uh, towards the positive. So the margins uh, are very strong. And as we look forward and and the comps change and we continue to invest uh, in our businesses, as well as uh, we expect uh, some costs to come back as we get to a more normalized uh, travel situation, I would expect those uh, margins to moderate a little bit.
3: Okay. And then before I hop off, just one last one on, on capital deployment. You mentioned the bolt-ons uh, for IDT and Cytiva. Obviously, we're seeing M&A pick up in the space more broadly. Um, just curious your your thoughts on the landscape, appetite for something more meaningful. We,
2: we continue to uh, be excited about uh, our, our balance sheet and how quickly we've been able to rebuild that. Now, having said that, it's just a year ago uh, that we actually closed um, the uh, Cytiva acquisition, and, and there's certainly plenty of work to do there. But having said that, um, the, our funnels are very active uh, across all four of our platforms, um, and we think um, that we have uh, plenty of opportunity ahead of us.
4: Okay. Hey, Tycho. Yeah. Hey, it's
2: Matt. I just wanted to get um, kind of going
5: back to your first question, just to give you some some numbers around sort of the order growth. You'd asked about sort of, uh, I think, you know, kind of the continuation of it. Maybe the way to think about it, at least how, how I think about it, is in, for Paul and Cytiva in the vaccine and therapeutics, we did, you know, call it 500 million in Q1. I think that's going to be pretty consistent here, Q2, three, and four. So, you know, I think we'll probably do two billion for the full year in the vaccines and therapeutics, which will be, like I said, pretty consistent. And then I think um, when you think about maybe sort of um, the rest of it, the Cepheid part, you know, that's going to ramp up as we go through the year, given the fact that we've talked about, um, you know, we're going to be, you know, uh, doing a little bit more kind of volume here uh, than, we, than we initially thought. So that, that's probably another $2 billion in revenue, so total revenue $4 billion for, for kind of that COVID tailwind. Um, and one piece, the Cepheid piece, will ramp up, and the other piece, uh, the vaccine therapeutics, pretty steady through the year.
3: Okay, that, that, that's helpful. Should we assume some of that vaccine work also spills over into 2022? I know it's only the first quarter of 21, but that's the obvious question we're all going to get is, you know, what yeah. the center for 2022 looks like.
2: Yeah, so I, I think the, the way we're thinking about that is uh, that we uh, continue to, to build uh, and ramp on orders growth here. And after the $2 billion, again, vaccine uh, and therapeutics, uh, we expect uh, to have a billion dollars of backlog uh, vaccine and therapeutics uh, going into 2022, and that's assuming uh, right now uh, with the approved uh, vaccines that uh, are in the various jurisdictions, which uh, are eight uh, currently. So that's the assumption there, and that's not assuming any booster shots or or vaccinations of of, of kids uh, under 16. So uh, we we do expect to see uh, further vaccine and therapeutic uh, production well into 2022. Yeah, and maybe a, a simple
5: Cancelo. frame on, on the numbers of that too, just to kind of give you a sense of it. Because I know Reiner mentioned it was a billion dollars backlog, but the way that I think I'd frame it is, if you think about 20 and 21, we're probably going to see orders of call it three point you know three six, three seven cumulative. I think we did 650 million in sales last year. We think we're going to do 2 billion in sales this year. So that three, six, let's call it two, six in sales is why we end up with a backlog at December of this year to take into 22. And like Reiner said, that really sort of doesn't, you know, kind of, that, that, that's just where we stand today um, with, you know, the assumption as, as Reiner mentioned that, you know, we are not really assuming kind of a fall booster slash third shot. We're not assuming um, that, you know, vaccines are going to get out there for kids at this point either. So that's really just what's on the market now, the eight that are cleared, um, and and the ramp
3: that we're seeing here in the developed markets largely. Okay. Very helpful. Thanks, guys. I'll let
4: others jump in. Thanks,
0: Dan. Your next question comes from Alina Vijay Kumar of Evercore ISI.
4: Um, okay. Hey, guys, Seth. Hi, Reiner. Congrats on a, on a pretty solid print this morning. Um, uh, just to follow up on that last question, I shared all the color. Um, so you guys did $650 million of revenues, uh, vaccine and therapeutics in 2020, cumulative of, uh, call it 2.6, 2.7, uh, in yep. 2020 and 2021. Uh, and that does not include children or booster. Um, you know, just assuming booster, I think most people are leaning towards a third shot. Uh, given that we've recognized about 2.7, you know, a booster third shot would imply another 1.3, like half of the 2.7 as potential incremental, uh, you know, perhaps in 2022. Uh, would that math make sense? I'm curious.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, Vijay, I think it's, it's a little early to tell. I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you're right in the assumption that that most people I think are assuming there's a third shot or a booster. Um, but again, I think it's, the timing and the amount and what it looks like is just a little early to tell. And that's so, so, that's why we sort of wanted to kind of give you what we're seeing now, the framework that doesn't really include it because that's still a bit of an unknown, but just so that, you know, sort of how we're thinking about, um, you know, where we stand here, you know, early, you know, pretty, still pretty early in 21, but um, you know, as that plays out, you know, maybe in the second half and, and in 22 kind of give you an update, but that is not inclusive uh, of the numbers that I just laid out for you.
4: Understood. And then I, I did have one, um, um, you know, a follow up on on uh, you know how to you know uh, frame what the future could look like. And I'm not asking for uh, you know guidance in fiscal 22. It's more perhaps broad strokes. Uh, and I think the debate that has been for some of your peers uh, with exposure to COVID tailwinds. Uh, the debate has been whether companies can grow earnings in 22. Um, I think you guys could end up being one of the few companies uh, that can grow earnings off of uh, fiscal 21 levels. I think, Reiner some of your comments on uh, gaining share in biopharma, and uh, you know, uh, you alluded to the fact, Cepheid, uh, really strong demand, and it looks like uh, that increase in stock base should flow through uh, to other tests in you know, a post-pandemic. Uh, am I right in uh, thinking about some of those broad strokes, about <clears throat> 22 earnings being above 21?
2: So, so Vijay, let me let me lay out how we're we're thinking about 22 on the on the back of of 21, um, and as Matt was just saying, it's it's a little early to get into specifics. Um, uh, specifics, as you can imagine, uh, 2022 and and this dynamic environment is a ways away. But having said that, we we feel confident around uh, the durability of our COVID revenues. Um, so so let me try and lay this out a little bit. Um, As I mentioned, we we think we entered 2022 with a billion dollars in vaccine and therapeutic backlog and the potential upside that we talked about based on the assumptions, not including boosters, not including, um, you know, kids uh, being vaccinated, nor including, uh, at this point, other uh, vaccine programs that might be uh, earlier stage um, in the pipeline. If you think about that in our very, very broad uh, portfolio, both in terms of upstream and downstream solutions, independent of the vaccine or therapeutic modality, uh, we really see uh, that we're very well positioned there. And that $1 billion backlog uh, is, is, you know, sort of the beginning of that story. Now, as we think about testing, so diagnostic testing uh, for COVID, You know, COVID is going to be or is already endemic, uh, and we'll be testing at the point of care for for a long time. And so while some folks are talking about 2021 being a peak year for testing for the market, we think Cepheid is uniquely positioned. You recall my example of the concentric circles with the uh, highest durability uh, tests being in the center, representing really Cepheid's point of care uh, workflow. And as you think about Cepheid's expanded installed base, uh, the very strong menu that we have, uh, we believe that uh, we'll uh, do roughly the same number of tests in, in 2022 as we are doing in 2021. And you recall, we just raised that from 36 uh, to 45 million tests. And then if you think about our base business, you know, here we really are and continue to be exposed to a number of attractive secular growth drivers, biologics more generally, and life science research, along with you know, molecular diagnostics and the decentralization of healthcare. And then, of course, environmental sustainability, as you think about our, our water quality group and packaging needs, continue to proliferate. So net-net, we we feel we're uniquely positioned to outperform in 2021 and beyond.
4: Wow, Uh, that is impressive. Uh, Thanks for the comments, guys. Congrats. Our next question comes from the
0: line of Doug Schenkel of Cowan.
4: Hi, Doug. Hey, hey,
6: good morning, guys. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, I I just want to go back to guidance, and um, I I think it's a Matt question. I'm just wondering if you could help us bridge, you know, essentially the delta between your prior core revenue (laughs) growth guidance for low double digits and the um, updated range of of high teens growth. Uh, You know, more specifically, I'm wondering where you're seeing the most improvement from a business perspective relative to where we were at your last update. And along those lines, what are you now assuming for the core operating environment, particularly as we look ahead to the second half of the year? Sure, Doug.
2: So, so let's come back to the full year guide going from, you know, um, mid to high team. And, and a simple frame, if we start, start at the top there, would be that we see the full year base business, now at high single-digit core growth, and full-year COVID tailwinds to be in the high single, low double digits. Now, if we start with the base business, we see that sustaining certainly at the current levels with customer activity around the world continuing to resume and approaching pre-pandemic levels. And then, of course, customers are adapting to this new work uh, environment. And we see that in the form of strong sales funnels and our order book growth. Uh, even service levels are you know, at or near normal as we have much better site access uh, than we have had uh, for more norm- normalized operation. And we're also seeing an uptick in instrument revenue as customers are starting to initiate new projects um, you know, and upgrading and, and doing some capital investments. As, as I mentioned here just a minute ago, on, from a COVID testing perspective, we still see the point-of-care testing at Cepheid, easy workflow, the right answer, um, being and in, 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 in short turnaround being the solution, the durable solution. And we see Cepheid actually accelerating here to 45 million tests versus the 36 million tests that we've spoken about. So we're seeing no fall-off in demand. Test. and the way to think about that is we, we did about 10 million here in Q1, and expect to increase by a million about each quarter. So 11 and Q2, 12 and Q3, and 13 and Q4. And an important point to recognize here is our our mix in Q1, COVID only versus foreign one, was 50 50. Now, as we go into the summer months here in the nor- Northern Hemisphere, we see that mix going from 50-50 and Q1 to 80-20, 80 COVID, only 20-4 and 1 for Q2 and Q3. And then for Q4, we see that going back to, as we enter flu season and so forth, um, to back to 50-50. So keep that in mind uh, from a mixed assumption perspective. Now, if we look at the, this by segment, we see the life sciences growing over 20% here for the full year. Of course, bioprocessing that's non-COVID related remains robust in the low double digits as we've talked about. We're seeing our instruments improving. So if you think of like a microsystem, think about SIEX, um, trends improve through 2021 as these projects are are resuming as we speak uh, and return to work. And then, of course, the COVID-related vaccine therapeutics revenues, we just talked about it, of about $2 billion. And as you think about diagnostics, here we see ourselves in the high teens, point of care, talked about uh, the expected 45 million tests of as as that capacity continues to build here through the year. And in our core and reference lab businesses, we see the volumes continuing to recover and, and, and the lockdowns really not having a material impact. So thinking about Beckman Diagnostics, a Biosystems, uh, in the low double digits here for the full year. And then from an EAS perspective, we see that in the mid single to high single digits as the consumable demand remains solid as it has been, but now we're starting to see equipment, uh, equipment placements improving uh, as well, uh, and in positive growth territories. And then lastly, if you build it out by geography, China uh, up over 20% for the year with a very strong recovery. North America also in high teens with Western Europe at low double digits. So that's how we're thinking about the frame here, uh, by business as well as by geography, as well as base and COVID tailwind. Hopefully that's helpful us.
4: Yeah, and that that is super
6: helpful, and that's a lot of great detail. Maybe very quick follow-up, and I I think uh, you you sort of alluded to this or referred to this at the end, um, Reiner. But, um, you know, in terms of just high-growth markets, growth was extremely strong in the first quarter. You know, some of that, I think, was just fundamental improvement. Some of that was favorable comps. Um, but just kind of to your last point, it does sound like you're expecting some sustained improvement in high growth market growth um, over the balance of the year. That that kind of what we saw in Q1 is expected to be sustainable.
2: We do, um, uh, as you correctly point out, China in particular's Q1 last year essentially was was shut down, so the first quarter numbers uh, were very very high. But having said that. Um, not only in the market, but also in our businesses, we see sustained, very strong um, uh, growth in the high-growth markets. China being um, the best example of that, with with growth over 20% for the full year.
6: Great. Okay. Thank you
7: again. Thanks,
0: Ben. Our next question comes from the line of Scott Davis of Nilios Research.
7: Hi, Scott. Hey, good morning, Reiner and Matt and Matt. Good morning. Um, yeah. Yes, can you hear me, guys? Yeah. yeah, we can hear you. You're good. Okay, okay, good. Uh, I have a new headset, so am <laughs> not sure <laughs> if it works or not, so hopefully it works. But anyways, uh, Ryan, you talked a little bit about the capacity adds. Um, can you give us a little sense of the kind of the, the scope, how dis- – I mean, you're talking about adding new lines and existing facilities, or you're talking about new facilities, and are you in process on this, or is it done? Just a little bit, a bit of color around that would be helpful.
2: So, we, we are talking about all of that, Scott. Um, we, we are opening up new facilities. Uh, for example, uh, we're starting up a new plant uh, in South Carolina um, that uh, will be uh, targeted initially at single use technologies. We'll be coming online supporting both uh, Paul Biotech as well as uh, Cytiva. Um We've recently uh, completed a small deal in China uh, buying out our joint venture partner and are expanding uh, our single-use technology um, capacities on the ground in China as well. Uh, and then we have additional lines going in in uh, several facilities uh, throughout the developed market, um, once again, for single-use technologies, but also other uh, biopharma um, related portfolio increases. So uh, all of the above and coming online here in the shorter term.
7: Now, it, to the 40% incrementals that you're guiding to, which, you know, obviously seems conservative based on your history, is, is the new capacity, I and mean, it probably comes in at a fairly low profit level at first, is that, a, is, is that play into this guidance at all, or is it not not really a big issue?
5: No, Scott, it's 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 not a huge issue for us uh, in this year. I mean, a lot of the stuff, too, when you think about what's coming online, um, you know, think about capacity at Cepheid. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty good margin for us. So, if anything, it's probably, you know, on the margin helpful, but it's it's it, it won't be a, a big drag.
7: Okay. All right. Good luck, guys. Congrats on a great quarter. Thanks, thanks, Scott.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Dan Brennan of UBS.
8: Great, thanks. For, uh, thanks for taking the questions um, and congrats on the quarter. Maybe maybe uh, a two parter on COVID. So uh, it's interesting the outlook for 2022 that Cepheid will remain consistent with 21. Can you just share some of your assumptions around that? Like, what 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 kind of implied pair are you thinking, and how are you thinking about the the overall testing market that kind of gets you to that number? And then B. Just on the vaccine therapeutics, I know, you know, kind of maybe dovetailing on kind of Scott's question in terms of capacity, just um, what, you know, can you share with us kind of where you are today from a, um, you know, total capacity in terms of being able to meet the demand that you see, how tight things are, and then as, as eventually COVID slows with the additional capacity building out, kind of how does that filter into the, the base bioproduction business?
2: So let's start uh, with uh, COVID testing and the durability of that. at Cepheid uh, coming back, really to what we're seeing uh, today. We see no slowdown um, in the demand for Cepheid tests for COVID. Uh, in the, so while the market, as I as I mentioned earlier, might might peak this year in terms of testing, and we'll see if that's the case. But if we take that assumption, uh, we continue to see that the value proposition. Uh, that Cepheid offers at the point of care. And as those tests wander from more distant testing settings back to the point of care, uh, that Cepheid's value proposition there in terms of workflow, speed, and accuracy uh, are really in the center of that concentric circle. And it's really that's that's so important uh, here to, to keep in mind. Also, we've increased the installed base of the gene experts now since uh, the beginning of last year by over 40%. Uh, so a significant uh, installed base increase, and that's actually the largest uh, installed base of uh, molecular diagnostic point of care tests um, you know, around, around the globe. At the same time, uh, our broad menu, 30 tests approved outside of the U.S., 20 inside of the U.S., is getting us into uh, care settings um, that we expect to provide a uh, strong dur- durability here for the future. So that's what allows us here as we continue to increase capacity quarter over quarter to continue to increase our shipments. And as you think about 2022 going forward, first of all, the vaccines um, will take likely years to roll out to the entire world. Secondly, uh, their effectiveness is is on a continuum, some of them as high as 95%, others uh, in the mid-60s, and so we're already seeing breakthrough infections. And there's also a number of people around the world who prefer not to get vaccinated. So testing will be continuing and very likely so um, at the point of care, and that just gives us the confidence um, based also on our conversations with our customers who are giving us outlooks here for the next 18 to 24 months, um, that that we're gonna be able to maintain in 2022, the level um, of test shipments um, that we had here in 2021. So 45 million is what we're looking for for 2021. Now, as we think about uh, to your question, on total capacity is capacity tight. Uh, I think certainly we are we are running very hard, but uh, as I've mentioned in, uh, in other uh, settings, we we have invested continuously here over the last uh, 18 months in expanding our capacities. If we think about Siteiva in particular, even prior to the close with GE, we had an arrangement where we continued uh, to uh, increase capacity, and we've continued to invest. Uh, very significantly in those capacity increases. So we're working together with our customers and our suppliers to make sure uh, that we're able to supply the needs here in 2021 and going forward. Now to the other aspect of your question, uh, once you have this capacity online, should uh, vaccination and therapeutics peak, um, how do we think about that capacity going forward? And here, again, we're very bullish uh, based on the development pipeline of biologic drugs, which continues to grow significantly. So even if you put COVID-related vaccines and therapeutics aside, the capacity requirements going forward uh, continue to be significant. We're very confident that the capacity investments that we make uh, today and tomorrow uh, are very much needed here to supply the future needs of our customers. And they're certainly in dialogue with us
8: uh, specifically uh, on that point That was terrific Reer uh, maybe just one quick follow-up just on cepheid I know it's been asked in the past but you know we did did a survey that showed there's likely to be a continued high usage level for a lot of these boxes that are placed just you know you know as we get beyond covid just any way to think about what cepheid was like the growth rate you were thinking about before covid and what that could be now given this dramatically larger install base in 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 the sense of how much of these boxes kind of, can, you know, continue to get used uh, beyond COVID. Thank you. Well, you've heard us, you've heard us uh, speak about uh,
2: our, our frame of pre-pandemic and sort of post-herd immunity or post-vaccination, uh, where we saw Cepheid really growing in the low double digits pre-pandemic based on the menu um, at that time, which we've since expanded and will continue to expand going forward. Uh, and so the way we think about it is, at the very minimum, we should be able to drive continued low double-digit um, uh, growth at Cepheid, on the one hand. On the other hand, we do have now an endemic uh, uh, disease, uh, COVID-19, and you really need to layer that uh, type of uh, testing uh, on top of sort of this base testing rate that we have as seen in the past. So that's how we're thinking about it, uh, and that's what gives us confidence in the durability here, both in the near term and in the future.
8: Great. Thank you, Rainer.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Dan Leonard of Wells Fargo.
8: Hi, Dan. Uh, th-
2: Hello. Um, so two questions. First off, on, on the guidance, uh, I appreciate all, all the line item detail, but you know, at a high level, how much conservatism do you think is is still baked into that high single-digit view on the base business outlook, given you know all of your commentary in the low single-digit comp. So, as we look at our our base business, uh, we we really see this as an appropriate view um, of uh, you know what remains here of the year, and and there's good reason for that. We we continue to see labs opening up patient volumes return in the base business we see um, in our applied our environmental and applied solutions business activity levels continue to pick up with our consumables uh, uh, running at um, a a good strong rate and instruments uh, continuing uh, to be placed here as capital projects go forward and this is why we've increased you know that forecast on the base business from you know mid single to high single digits, and 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 we think that's appropriate uh, as we look for the year. We still have you know a good part of the year ahead of us, um, and and think that's the appropriate way to think about it. Okay, appreciate that. And then and then my follow up, you know, how are you thinking about prospects for inflation and, and your ability to offset inflationary pressures, maybe even from incremental efficiencies you've you've learned from operating during a lockdown? We've we've uh, been in these kinds of environments before and the Danaher business system and the tool set that we apply uh, every day uh, really helps us uh, to offset this on the one hand we're working closely with our suppliers and ensuring that uh, we are working uh, our you know price performance variations and the tool sets that we have there of course we uh, value engineer uh, every day uh, of the week and then going forward. Uh, we also work on the pricing side to ensure uh, that we're able to protect our margins and ensure that we capture the value of our differentiated uh, and uh, oftentimes IP-protected solutions going forward. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
0: We have time for one more question. Your final question will come from the line of Patrick Donnelly of City.
2: Hi,
8: Patrick. Great. Thanks.
9: Hey, how are you guys? Thanks. Um, Reiner, you touched on a little bit a couple of questions ago, but I wanted to drill in on the bioprocessing piece outside of the vaccine. Obviously, you know, the vaccine demand gets a lot of the headlines, understandably. But can you just talk about, you know, what you're seeing in the market, you know, kind of the underlying demand in the bioprocessing, bioproduction world, you know, what you think that market growth rate looks like over the next few years? And then to your point, you know, how confident you are in that demand, you know, being enough to, to kind of fill the capacity that you're building out. In the post-vaccine world, which again, to your point, feels like it's multiple years
2: away, but just wanted to talk about that that market a little bit.
3: Sure, Patrick. There's there's
2: a number of uh, data points to consider here. Uh, let me start with the fact that biologic drugs are highly efficacious and in very great demand, and that the penetration of these drugs throughout the world is still in the single-digit uh, percentages. Again, speaking now outside of COVID. Uh, Vaccine. So the penetration of these highly efficacious drugs is still relatively low. On the other hand, when you look at the surge of capital investment that we see going into drug development, whether that be in traditional pharma or small biotech, and throughout the world, we see that the drug pipeline and the associated number of drugs in the clinical uh, in, in clinical trials continues to ramp. Very significantly and even if you apply sort of traditional success rates uh, to the number of projects in those pipelines um, you have to expect um, a very very solid and continued growth uh, here for the future and we certainly do and we expect that growth uh, to be in the low double digits here on a sustained basis Uh, and if you have any sort of additional leverage here uh, as it relates to the transition from for instance, stainless steel manufacturing solutions to single-use technologies for greater flexibility and ease of use and lower risk of cross-contamination, that provides additional impulses and catalysts to the growth rate, which will require the capacity that you see coming online. So we're very confident that the capacity that we're putting in place for our customers and to support their future growth um, is required here in the future. That's really helpful. Appreciate it.
9: And then just wanted to follow up on one of the cap deployment questions from earlier. Um, you know, you we've seen some peers kind of step into other industries like the CRO world. I know you've talked a little bit about your interest or lack thereof in that type of space previously, but some thinking has, has evolved in other places. So I was wondering, you know, is that a market that you'd be interested in getting into and, and just wanted to, to get your thoughts on that. So,
2: yeah, you know, we, we obviously don't want to comment on, on specific things happening here in the market, but what I can uh, say is that we're really happy with the approach that we've taken with the acquisitions of Cytiva, Paul, IDT, and Phenomenix. We're, we're providing very specific, practical, and material solutions to our customers' pain points. These are all companies that are in the forefront of technologies with proprietary solutions with high number of touch points, and high customer intimacy, and very importantly, recurring revenue, which is exactly the kind of businesses that we want to be in. And once again, coming back to the nature of this industry, in this industry, more often than not, scientists are making, or, or at the very minimum, heavily influencing the purchasing decision, as opposed to... Um, economic bundles really being um, a point of leverage and why is that because the value in getting a for instance biologic drug to market faster by just one week if it's a 1 billion dollar drug a year is 20 million the value of increasing your yield by two to five percent is several tens of millions of dollars so that's how we think about uh, the fact uh, that that our strategy and the way we're focused is is the way to be. Very helpful. Appreciate the color.
0: Thank you. Oh, now will turn the call to Matt Gagino for any closing comments.
1: Thanks, Lori, and thanks everybody for joining us today. We're around all day for questions.
0: Thank you. That does conclude the Danaher Corporation's first quarter 2021 earnings results conference call. You may now disconnect.